What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. Podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Matt Baxter Show. Super excited to have you again as a listener. On this episode of the podcast, I am hanging out with Chris Kahn. Chris Kahn came at an introduction for my good friend, Lori Silverman, and she said, you just got to have Chris. Chris is brilliant, smart, funny, podcast host of herself. She's been on like the radio like a ton, was like a radio host. And so she's probably, the whole time we recorded, was probably judging me as a podcast listener or as a podcast host. So hopefully I did okay. But she has over 30 years of marketing experience, which means she has seen the trends of marketing, where marketing started, what marketing probably meant back in the day. And she's been a leading you know, speaker, author, developer around the space. And so I was super excited to have her as a guest just to dive in a little bit into what does marketing truly mean. So if you're interested in marketing, Chris is an expert. I would follow this podcast and also follow everything else she's doing. She's also just a straight up phenomenal human being as well. So Chris, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Well, I'm really honored to have um, the invitation from you, Matt. Thank you for having me. We got introduced from a fantastic, wildly interesting woman named Lori Silverman. So just a brief snippet. How do you know Lori? Um, yes, Lori is, has more energy than you know most 10 people that I know. Um, yeah, Lori and I met many, many, many years ago, um, over 30 years ago, actually, uh, when she was um, getting married to someone that I worked with. And we, I like to joke that we were at each other's weddings, which is always a benchmark for people. When someone was at your wedding, you've known them a long time. <laughs> 
And, uh, and over the years, there were gaps where we didn't stay in contact, but because of some mutual business interests that we have or whatever, uh, we've stayed in touch. And I think there is uh, sometimes a bond that I have with women entrepreneurs where we always want to help each other out where we can. And so through that, we've stayed in touch over the years and try to refer each other where we can. That's awesome. Yeah, she's she's yeah. phenomenal. And she says nothing but uh, good words about you. And I, I, I'm just super <laughs> excited to to have you. And I, I know you've got a pretty awesome story. And so it, sh it should be super fun. So where remind me, where in the world are you recording from? I live in um, what some people call the Chewaukee uh, uh, corridor, which is the space between Chicago and Milwaukee, which is a pretty cool space to live because I can do business in Chicago, Milwaukee, and Madison pretty easily. I live in a city called Racine, Wisconsin, which is um, uh, well known largely because the SD Johnson Company is based here, but also it was in the news a lot because um, Racine County is where Foxconn uh, got the big bid a few years ago. And so it's a it's kind of a really nice hot spot between Milwaukee and Chicago. That's fantastic. That's so cool. And then, so yeah. obviously I want to hear the, the full the full gamut of, of, of your story, but where did you, is that where you actually grew up or are you from somewhere else? I actually, um, you know, I, 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 the older I get, the more I realize how much of a Midwesterner I am, which I know you are as well, Matt, and I sort of have an affinity for Midwesterners. Um, but I was born in Rockford, Illinois, actually, and then moved to Wisconsin when I was 10 years old to Madison. And then the rest of my life has really played out between Madison and Racine. I went to school in Madison and then uh, worked here, but I still have family in Madison. And um, gosh, there's a very big part of my heart that's in Madison. So I am fully integrated now as a Wisconsin um, resident and fan, and, um, but I've always been in the Midwest. That's awesome. Amazing. Love that. Midwest yeah. is tough to be. Yeah. You can you can leave it, but there's there's just something homey about it. I don't know what it, I, I don't yeah. know how to always pinpoint it, but it just feels like home. Yeah. I mean, I travel a lot. I've traveled all over the world. I've traveled a lot to the United States. And there is something that I think, and I'm sure that people in other parts of the country feel the same way. I know I hear people from the South speak this way too. There is a part of it that you're just sort of almost on a cellular level recognized as home. And you feel that when you're with other people who kind of come from that same, um, you know, the same, that they were raised in a similar way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So give me the backstory about Chris. So uh, you are, you've had a podcast, you're in marketing, you've been yep. a professor, yep. you've traveled all the way around the world. So you've got this, like, just these really interesting touch points of an awesome life story. So do you mind sharing it a little bit? Well, sure. I, I, you know, it's funny because I'm not sure that I always felt that it was interesting. And over time, sometimes as I talk to people about things, I guess some of the aspects are interesting, but I found myself sort of boring early on because I really knew early on what I wanted to do. And that sounds kind of boring. Like I didn't go on this, you know, journey of finding self and, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. Early on, like I remember in eighth grade having people ask me what I wanted to do and I wanted to get a degree in marketing and I wanted to work somehow in marketing. And I was always really drawn to business context. I felt very comfortable in business context. So I always wanted to go to college. I, I'm a first generation college student actually. And, um, but I was raised that that was kind of what you're going to do. You're going to go to college 
you're going to get uh, a degree. And I always wanted to study something related to advertising and marketing. And that's generally been true. The, you know, all of, since I was a teenager, I've always been called to do that kind of work. And, and, you know, part of that was, and I think I really discovered this in college is I really, I really felt called to do things that would empower me through my life. So to me, you know, getting an education and pursuing work that I loved would give me the opportunity to, um, you know, have hopefully a long career and have uh, financial, you know, empowerment and financial independence, ideally, and to not have to rely on anyone for me to have, uh, you know, an interesting life to be able to travel as I do now and to uh, have adventures in my life. And I sort of saw that as my, my mission, which was to create my life for myself. So throughout the course of your, you know, pursuit of this concept of marketing and advertisement, when you first yeah. felt like you had this dream of going into that to now what it is today and you pursuing that career path today, is it the same thing? Was the marketing That's... advertisement that you were interested back then the same as it is today from your perspective, or at least what you thought you were going to be spending time doing? Yes, and that is actually a really interesting question because I think that's at the crux of so much of what I do now. Because I also I I do I do do marketing. I have a 22 year uh, market research company. I do market research for uh, for companies, large companies generally. And uh, but I also am a registered corporate coach. And the reason those dovetailed is because yes, I came out of graduate school. Uh, you know, I went to the University of Wisconsin and came out with um, this sort of overflow of optimism and enthusiasm. And, you know, I just was ready to take on the world because it was I had now created a job doing things that I loved. Um, my first job actually was with Jockey, the underwear company. And um, I was going to do marketing. <laughs> so hold on. It was you great. Got, yeah, talk, walk me through the working culture of a place like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, Again, I do I do reveal my um, sort of love for Wisconsin in many ways, but one of them is that Jockey is based in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I don't know if people know that. And I had no, was, I had absolutely no clue. <laughs> yes, yes, it's based and 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 even their headquarters now are are in um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is just south of me. And um, they had gone through some tough times in the early '80s. Um, and when I came on board in the late eighties, they had had, they had introduced their women's line of underwear, Jockey for her. And so they had had this resurgence and had really, uh, they were doing very, very well and had decided to extend it into, um, uh, hosiery. Uh, if you remember back in the, the eighties, women in the late eighties wore pantyhose every day. And, you know, that was part of the, the, the power suit hosiery kind of you know, wardrobe that, that businesswomen wore every day. So uh, I was brought on board to help uh, push that forward. And so it was a really, it was a really unique experience because the, the specific role that I had was very flat. So I got a chance to work with, you know, the president and uh, vice president on a regular basis. We acquired, uh, you know, a facility in order to, to um, make products, which was a really interesting thing to be a part of. And working for a private company is also a very interesting experience too, which um, really made an early imprint on me. So it was a it was a great way for me to kick off my business career coming out of graduate school. I got a lot of really direct high level experience, which was fun. 
Yeah. So walk me through the difference between doing marketing within the concept of a private company versus doing marketing in the context of your own private company. Hmm. Um, well, it's interesting because I've worked for private companies. I worked for public companies and then now I have my own company. And I think working for a private company, it, you're, you're very clear about the fact that you always have to defer to either the founder's vision or, you know, the, the, the family that's involved in the business's vision. And you, you know, you're on board with that. They, they help create this company and it's going to move forward on their vision. And, and in general, that's, that's fine unless you disagree with it. Um, but, but when you're working for a private company, you're sort of bought into that, you know, that that's kind of what the culture is like a, a, a public company, which I worked for after that is very different, which is that there are, you know, outsiders to answer to. And so a lot of what's driving you is meeting numbers. Um, you know, there's definitely quarter che quarterly check-ins with your financials. That was a very different culture for me to be in. And I'm, I was grateful to have exposure to that. Um, and then one of the reasons, though, that I ultimately went out on my own and started my own company is that ultimately I wanted to make my own decisions. I wanted to decide what kind of work I wanted to do and who I wanted to work for and how I wanted to treat my clients and, and customers. And that was ultimately what I got to do over the last 22 years with my market research business. So what is, uh, what is ultimately, like when you walk in, and you're doing one of your favorite jobs for a client, what does that look like as far as like a project? What is like the concept of overarching marketing, but to a very specific job that you're doing for a client, what is it that you really, really enjoy doing? Um, I think that what what's true today, to your original question, was still always true, which is that one of the reasons I was drawn to marketing is that I'm really fascinated by the idea of translating consumer needs into products. Right. And getting companies to be driven by that versus necessarily their vision of what they think people need. <laughs> and I like to be that bridge. I like to be the bridge of someone who translates the consumer needs for companies so that they're ultimately being driven by that. That's not to say that sometimes companies aren't going to come up with innovative products that that consumers don't even know that they need. That happens all the time, right? But ultimately, I want co companies to be listening to their customers, and I feel like I get a chance to do that. So my ideal day is when I get to be in the field with consumers um, on behalf of my clients, and we're talking through maybe a new product that they're looking at launching. We're talking about some packaging they're looking at launching or you know, some advertising that we're trying to make sure communicates what it's supposed to communicate. And I often joke that when I get a chance to spend the day in the field, I feel like I got a small glimpse of America because I'm seeing, depending on the project, of course, but I'm seeing people from different walks of life, different demographics, different uh, socioeconomic statuses, different races, cultures. And I really love that because sometimes I don't get a chance to see that in my day-to-day -day life. And so I love being in the room with consumers and feeling that I get to be the person who goes back to a company and says, you need to hear what these people say. This is what they want. And this is what they like about what you're doing. And this is what they don't like about you're doing, about what you're doing. And that was always why I wanted to get into marketing. I was always, I was always interested in the ability to bring products to market that ultimately, you know, would be accepted by 
consumers and make their life better. So within the context of that last statement, have you enjoyed working with a blank canvas as far as, I, I know this is probably not necessarily true, but like say a company has zero marketing, completely entirely none starting from scratch to a company that is well-established but needs to make some major, major, major sort of re-architect of their marketing strategy, marketing proposals, all these different things. Do you have a preference of the blank canvas versus like the integral part of like somebody who's already established? Absolutely. The most fun to work with is people who have a blank canvas. And the reason I say that is that there's this term that I think maybe you've heard bandied around called beginner's mind. And that is that when you have a beginner's mind, you're not a know-it-all. You're ready to listen to anything, right? So let's say that, oh, let's just use tennis as an example. I don't know anything about tennis. So if somebody takes me out on a tennis court and shows me how to play tennis, I'll be like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll try that. Yeah, I'll try that. I'll try that. I don't know. Whereas if you take someone out who believes that they know a lot about tennis, they're going to say, no, no, I already know that. No, 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 I already know that. I don't, I don't need to hear that from you, right? You're much more receptive and willing to learn and open to learn if you have a beginner's mind. And so it's a really good place to find yourself in because you are a sponge then. And so when I work with a, a client, and I do this often where I get a client who either I have the, my direct contact is someone who hasn't done research before or is very young. I mean, I, you know, when I went into my first job after graduate school, I was 23 years old and I've had clients who are those over-enthusiastic 23-year-olds, right? And it's, it's exciting for me to help um, uh, bring them into the world of research and how research can be a tool to stay connected to your consumers. And it's much easier to work with clients who are really open to anything and are open to trying anything uh, versus clients who have done, you know, thousands of groups and really have a fairly structured way of how they want things done. I've done both. Um, but the more fun is when there's a blank canvas and we get to create something together. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. Do you have a, do you like, I guess, how do I want to ask that question? So taking that same framework of sort of the open canvas, as far as learning how marketing works, how has over the course of the, your career in marketing, how have you had to force yourself to have an open canvas when it comes to learning new marketing trends, new research, locate, you know, new mm -hmm. data points, all these different things? How, how have you approached that? That's also a good question because I think uh, I've had to do that as it relates to what my career path was supposed to look like. And I think this is true. I think I speak for a lot of people on this, but I think one of the things that happens is that you go, you know you go to school to study something and in my case I knew what I wanted to do I was very excited about it and as far as I was concerned once I dropped myself into that first job you know I was just going to keep doing that job and enjoying it and and I think what happens at some point for everyone is that there is that honeymoon period wears off a little bit and it isn't and, and it isn't necessarily about the company that you're working at it might be the work the specific work that you're doing but at some point the reality of uh you know geez this process isn't as you know as, as clear as i thought or you know there's more politics than i have to that i have to deal with than i thought or gosh this is not going to be nearly as fun as i thought 
And I think one of the reasons that I've had, for me, when I, one of the ways I've had to keep a beginner mind is about what that was supposed to look like, what that path was supposed to look like. Because I was certain that I was really meant to be a corporate person. I liked, you know, being part of a big company and um, moving a vision forward for a big company. And at some point there were, there were some reality checks that I had to have about um, whether I was going to be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve in terms of my personal growth and my professional growth within the context of uh, some of the organizations that I was in. And, and that was ultimately why I started my own company is because my passion was really market research and being with consumers. So I went off and did that on my own, but I didn't, start my career thinking that I was going to start a business, honestly. Yeah, I mean, right. Maybe there was a seed of that. There was a seed of it maybe, but it took me having a beginner's mind to say, okay, so now what does this look like at this, at this stage of my life? You know, things were different. I was, you know, 10 years older and I had children by then. And, you know, now what is now, how can I still remain um, professionally fulfilled and growing without being, you know, in the context of a company? How do I do that as an entrepreneur? And I had to start really all over. I didn't really know what that was going to look like. And so then, you know, that proceeded. And then, and that has grown and changed too. I, I got more clear about what companies I liked. I felt I had a more of an affinity to, or what product categories I had more of an affinity to research for. And, um, and some of that, you know, you create, you, uh, you basically say out loud that's what you want and you create that and some of it happens kind of by luck or happenstance but kind of keeping your mind open about what that needs to look like is was a big lesson that I got when I went out on my own because I thought I think I thought it was going to look a different way than it did yeah yeah that makes you know? so much sense and, and I think we, we we have a tendency to judge that right we have a tendency to say oh shoot I you know that that was a failure or that you know gosh, that, that isn't true. I, every single path that you go down at some point, is going to teach you something. It may teach you what you don't want to do again. It may teach you what kind of environment you never want to put yourself in again. It may teach you the kind of people that you want to work with or, or not work with again. Um, that doesn't mean that any of that was wrong, right? You, you, you took something to your next experience that you were able to get more out of because of that experience. You referenced something about the transitions for professional fulfillment. So let's yeah. take that and let's expand that a little bit. So uh, one thing I know to be true about entrepreneurship is there's really difficult to separate entrepreneurship from personal life. And so when it comes, yeah. there's a work-life balance for sure, but you know, it's sort of you're, you're narrowing that gap a little bit. And so for you, the yeah. concept of personal fulfillment, let's expand that to, or sorry, professional fulfillment, let's expand that to personal fulfillment. So what is for you in, in the grand scope of like impact that you want to have, fulfillment that you want to have, which what you, what fills your bucket, but you also know that you're giving back to the world. What does that look like for you? Mm. I am admittedly really wired um, for work. Like I, I'm, I think the people who know me and care about me would say I'm a bit of a workaholic. And, and I don't mean that in a way that has been necessarily harmful to my, my relationships or anything, but, you know, I love to work. I really do. And so for me, it was never about, well, gosh, how can I find more personal time? I've had to be coached through that, honestly, uh, because 
I'm so sort of fascinated and will and will read, uh, you know, anything related to my work that I can. And that includes coaching now. I do, I do, um, you know, business and career coaching for people. And so there's always something that I'm looking to write or create or or investigate further in terms of my my professional growth. And I felt that there was more of an ability for me to do that when I was an entrepreneur than when in the context of working for a corporation. So that was why that change really opened a whole bunch of avenues for me because then I was able to really take charge of my own professional growth and to pursue things that I felt um, you know, we're going to continue to bring me new skills and new experiences that would en- enhance me. Yeah, I, I, I can echo the, the idea of just loving to work. I mean, something that's fun yeah. for me is sitting down for a coffee or beer or whatever with somebody and literally talking about a new idea or new, like creating yeah. something. And even in like downtime, that's theoretically like working, right? So I, I totally can relate to that. And, yeah. and then the idea of coaching through, okay, how do you put that down and like, you know, separate yeah. that in, in relationships as well, too. So I, I totally can echo that. And, 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 I, and I put that in a number of different contexts. To your point, you make a great point, which is for me, you know, having breakfast with someone or coffee with someone that I'm talking about something related to business is um, still working for me, you know. And now that doesn't mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a victim here of this, right? I like to do that. I choose to do that. Having said that, there are some, uh, the, some things that always kept me tethered to making sure that I had balance. And by that, I mean, I've been married for 33 years and I, my husband and I have a great time traveling together and doing things together. I have two children who were very involved in things when they were younger. And so I always had that to keep me sort of um, a little more balanced. But um, as I get older, it has been important for me to understand that you need even more balance then to to some extent, because, um, you know, you want to embrace the fact that uh, like I'm an empty nester now, you know, I, I'm able to travel more and to really enjoy that and to not necessarily feel like, Oh gosh, I'd rather be at my desk. I'm learning to be much more balanced, but I've needed coaching for that. Honestly, I have some really great um, coaches that I've worked with over the years that have helped give me some perspective on that. And I say that because um, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's, I have always had a hard time being objective about myself. And I think that's true for a lot of people. And so um, I've always valued an outside opinion to, you know, help me reflect on, on how I'm, how I'm doing personally, professionally, to make sure that, you know, it's so easy to have 10 years go by and go, oh shoot, what just happened? You know, how did those 10 years go by? So, but I also, I'm also on, I'm very involved in my professional association. I serve on the board of the, the educational institution that my children went to. And all of those things have been very fulfilling for me to keep me balanced outside of, you know, my work per se. I'm using my professional skills in volunteer capacities as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so on, on that note, my, my favorite question on the whole plan is ultimately, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning the most? And so I want to add one caveat to it, because I feel like we've gotten a pretty awesome in-depth, you know, uh, persona of, of who you are. But one added component to it is not only what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning the most, but also what is it like if you could have an impact on somebody uh, today that you never saw again, what do you hope that impact would be? Mm-mm-mm. 
Well, yeah, they're two different questions. Can I answer them as two different questions? You sure can. Okay. Um, you know, it's funny. Have you seen Hamilton, Matt? Uh, I don't think so. You know of the you know of the Broadway show Hamilton. Absolutely, and I do. Yep. The there is um there is a running thread through uh the play that Hamilton there's a song and I'm gonna forget the name of it but the words are something like why do you feel like you're running out of time you know like he work he he's always going he has a vision of you know helping to write the the documents that will be the underpinnings of the creation of the United States of America and he's driven by that right and 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 not to the, that extent but I feel like I when I when I just thought recently I turned to my husband and I said I relate to that energy because what gets me out of bed every day is I have a lot of ways that I get to impact um, the people around me and or work that I'm doing and it, it, it's different all the time and I'm intrigued about the fact that I now have a long career of over 30 years that I can put to use both to in my business with my clients but also um, with organizations that I'm involved in and um, I don't want to say that I feel like I'm running out of time, but I, I do feel a need to keep doing that and to be engaged in um, continuing to grow as a, as a professional and as a person every day. And that's what gets me out of bed. I want to always be moving forward uh, and feel that I'm, um, I don't want to say getting better every day, but certainly getting wiser every day. That's one of the things I really love about that comes naturally with aging is, I love the wisdom that comes with aging because I, I feel like it gives you much more perspective. Totally. Um, totally. So yeah, then, then, the, then part two of that, part two of that. Yeah. So the thing that I really like to impress upon people is that I think sometimes people take for granted how much um, they really have control over their own circumstances. And, you know, two words kind of incumbent in that are choice and change. And by that, I mean, I think that I felt when I was, um, you know, in the midst of, you know, challenging jobs that were overwhelming me and raising my children and running a household and all that, I felt very overwhelmed. And I think I probably felt like I didn't have a choice. Like I just had to put my head down and keep going. Maybe that's a Midwestern philosophy that we've all been raised with. I think we put our head down and plow through. Um, but I, I hear that too often from young women when when I talk to them and, and even from various people that I hear in their careers. And I, I, I always hope to make an impression on people that you're more empowered than you think in that even if you say, but I have to keep this job because I need a paycheck, you also though have um, the ability to change your perspective. You always have the choice to give yourself a timeline and say, yes, I need this job because I have to have a paycheck. But, you know, I'm going to promise myself that in six months, I'm going to make a change. And I'm going to spend the next six months figuring out what that is. That, that is feels so, empowering. That is so good. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, – LinkedIn is one of my favorite spots for content, both good content and bad content, but just yeah. observing. And there's so many people out there, well, if you don't like what you're doing, just quit. Well, there's a practicality mm. of life that, like, you might have family. You might have kids. You might have a mortgage right. you have to make. Just like – and and it's easy to say, well, you shouldn't have done that, right? But that doesn't help anybody. But the people who are currently saying, look, I'm stuck. I want to get better. There's an element of saying, okay, 
let's work to getting out of that. That can't happen today, but that can't happen in six months. So let's put a hard target yeah. to say, if you want to get out of that. So I love that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that, um, that someone uh, sold someone a bill of goods when they said, you should love what you're doing every day. You know, only work if you're loving it. That That's selling people a bill of goods in my mind in that it is great to be doing work that you feel um, inspired by every day and that has meaning that's been proven to be a key uh, a, a key aspect of how people have long careers. In fact, I, I have a, a talk that I've done about having a sustainable career and part of that is doing work that has meaning to you, right? So yes, that's the ideal world, but there is a practical aspect here that don't, I would never advise someone to just up and quit their job. You've got to have some thought process about that. You know, number one being, don't burn any bridges. I mean, heck, I just told you about Lori Silverman, who I've known for over 30 years, right? Long connections are great to have. Don't make short, um, short-term decisions that are are not smart. Again, this is why you get an outside perspective sometimes totally. by, by having a coach. But, but I, I really, I, I, it makes me sad when I hear people who don't feel empowered because you ultimately do have the a choice and you do have the ability to make a change. And sometimes just giving yourself a timeline helps you to realize that this isn't forever. This is going to, you know, you are going to have the ability to make a change on that. And whether that means going back to school, taking some online classes, changing jobs within your job, you know, maybe there's another role within your company that's a better fit, or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways that you can make some subtle um, shifts that might help to relieve the overwhelm that you're feeling or the sadness that you're feeling about the situation that you're in. So that's one of the things that I would say if I, if I met someone I would want them to leave time with me feeling more empowered because I, I, I think that most people uh, take for granted how much they actually are empowered. They just haven't been told that or they don't realize it. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I, I want to bring up a point real quick on, on your comment about like, you're never going to have a job that every single day you're just so overwhelmingly happy. So like, I will admit that my I'm at a pretty young age to have the ability to have a company and have a complete flexibility. So like as far as that goes, overarching, I would not be more thrilled at the career path that I'm on right now. But there are some days yeah. that are so bloody stressful because all of that is in my control or because other people are in my control that there are like it's not yeah. all happy. But yet I get to like on the broader macro scale of that so thrilled and so fortunate to be in that so i i totally validate what you're saying is the fact that like yeah. in the grand scheme of things find something that's fulfilling that's impactful that's empowering that that you can do that not only for yourself but for others as well too and it's work that has a purpose and a meaning and there's also some days that just suck and that's okay like yeah. that's just, like yeah. but but find out the days that are worth you know kind of it for lack of better terms, like it, the, the purpose that's worth sucking for a day in and day out every once in a while. So I, you know, I, well, anyways. and again, back to this, back to this thing about choice and change, which is that, you know, the aspects of your job that you don't like, like everybody who is an entrepreneur, let's say you have to do accounting, right? You have to do, you know, invoicing, you have to do soliciting new business. You have to, 
and and not all of those roles you're going to like. I don't know about you, Matt, oh but gosh. most entrepreneurs. All of those, yeah. I can't stand any of those. <laughs> right? And so the, the fact is that you can be a martyr and you can say, no, 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 I'm going to do all this myself. Or you can say, you know what? There are other people who can do this in a tenth of the time that I can do, and it's worth me paying other people to do it. So I don't, I mean, I listen, I have QuickBooks, but I don't do the taxes for my business. I don't do the taxes for our household. I have people who are professionals who, who do that. And that's well-spent money, <laughs> right? Totally. And there are other aspects of everyone's um, business that maybe it's best to have someone else do that. In my research business, I reached a point a few years ago where there was an aspect of my business that I wasn't enjoying as much. I love being with the consumers. As I said, it's really very grounding for me to be in the field with consumers. But there were other parts of the work that I didn't really um, love. And so I brought in someone to help do that with me. And it has completely re-energized my passion for that business. So I think you have to look at, again, you're not a victim. What are the parts of the business that maybe you can barter with someone to do for you and uh, or with you so that you can move to more of a place where, you know, the needle is higher on what parts of your work that you're loving. But I, I don't know that everyone's going to love every aspect of their job every single day. And, you know, that's okay, too. That doesn't mean that that's, you're not on the right path. It just means that that's probably the reality of most jobs, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chris, I want to give you an opportunity that, um, you know, is there anything else in particular that you want to, you know, leave the audience with? I mean, we, we've covered, you know, y y your story, the impact, both from like within the context of marketing, also you, you personally as well, too. But is there anything else that you want to just give the audience? I will say that I have really been inspired by having people around me who love their work and um, particularly who love their work well into their 50s and 60s. And I would encourage everyone to have people in their lives at both ends of the age spectrum that can be inspiring for you. And by that, I mean, you know, I have two millennial daughters who, um, who keep me grounded in what the thought processes of, of younger people in the workplace. I also have a number of um, women who I really admire and respect who are further down in their career in their 50s and 60s and spend time with people like that to, to make sure that you're um, staying inspired in what you're doing. Being around people who are loving what they, they do can, can be really inspiring uh, to you and to help you remind yourself that it is possible to be doing work that you love and to be excited to go to work on Monday instead of dreading to go to work on Monday. But you want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who who feel that way. I think that's always helpful rather than people who are, you know, sort of down about their life. I think that can weigh heavy, you know, sometimes with people who are, um, who are much more positive about what they're doing. Love that. That's so good. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. This has been awesome. I feel uh, I'm going to go about walking in my day a lot more inspired. Just So thank you. Oh, goodness. Well, I hope so. It was great to talk with you, Matt. Thank you.